Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is October the 4th, and our chapter for today is the first chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. So actually over the next two to three days, what I'm going to do is to help you to understand the rhythm and cadence of the book itself. And we're going to do that in chapters 1, 2, and 3. And then in chapter 4, we're going to turn a corner and then start answering questions all the way through 1 Corinthians. It's a fascinating book. One of my favorite books in the Bible is 1 Corinthians because it really deals with the issues and problems with solutions And as we go through this, I think you'll understand the book of 1 Corinthians and get a bird's eye view of it, and then you can dig down into the study of the Word of God. And let me just say that many of you now are asking, not one or two or several, but many of you are asking, what are we going to do next year? Well, you're going to be blessed, I think, as we go through a series of digging deeper. Yes, 365 digging deeper. We're going to answer a lot of questions that you have had over the years and many of you for a lifetime. It's not that I'm the Bible answer man. I don't claim to be that, but God's word is clear on so many things that we've obfuscated and we have made murky and misty when God says something crystal clear. We just don't like what he says. And so we're going to dig there together and we're going to mine the golden diamonds and all of the precious jewels of the Word of God in the coming year. Now, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians was written, I believe, in the spring of A.D. 56. It was written from Ephesus. Paul had no doubt gotten some correspondence from the church, maybe uh, one or two different letters from the church. One was detailing division that had developed since he left. By the way, we're going to learn that these were fleshly controlled, carnal-minded believers. Yes, believers. Yes, saints of God. Yes, having been sanctified and justified, but they were in the process of progressively being sanctified in these letters in answer to their questions and Paul's loving discipline and sometimes a very stern but loving discipline helped them to grow and to take another step in their being set apart from the world and being dedicated and consecrated unto God, which is what sanctification is. And so Corinth was written in spring of 56, I believe, from Ephesus back to the church across the Aegean Sea, back to the Isthmus where Corinth was located. Now, Corinth was a strategic city. It was a cosmopolitan city. That means it was filled with all different kinds of people, all different kinds of ethnicity. You have more problems at Corinth than any other church in the New Testament. The reason is when you have people from different backgrounds, you have this multicultural By the way, multiculturalism is a farce. There will never be anything built around multiculturalism. 
Now, you can have many races, but out of many has to come one. We're wrestling with this in our own Western culture here in America because we think we can be multicultural. That's a phrase that was introduced some time back, and it really has to do more with socialism than anything else because what it is, it presents a hyphenated America. Uh, you're a Native American. You are a, uh, a African American. You're an Irish American. You are a, a Latino American. No, hyphenated America or hyphenated anything doesn't work. Why? Because it's out of many you have one, e pluribus unum. This is the concept. Many races, yes, you can have multiple races, but there has to be one culture. Now, that doesn't mean you forget your heritage or the country you came from, but if you're coming to America or you're going to England, you need to absorb yourself in the culture of that country, and you can add to the flavors and the nuances and the shades of beautiful color. But you cannot change that culture to make it like the place you're coming from. Otherwise, why are you coming from where you're coming from? Well, of course, because you want the opportunity that the American life and the Judeo-Christian value system that made this country great, you want the opportunity that it gives you. And so, all to say, there were many cultures there in Corinth, and because of that, there were a lot of problems because there was no unity. There was not one unifying purpose. There was not one culture that they were striving for, and so there were many uh, problems. Now, why was that? Well, it had to do with the geography. If you look at a map of Greece, and I hope you do and will, you look at a map and you will see that Corinth is located on an isthmus. Now, the closest isthmus to us in America, in North America, is Central America and the country of Panama, where we have the Panama Canal. That is a small strip of land that separates two great bodies of water. In the case of Panama, it's the Atlantic Ocean on one side and the Pacific Ocean on the other. In the case of Corinth, and Kinkria, that is the Aegean Sea on one side and the Ionian, if you're a Greek, Adriatic, if you are a Roman, the Adriatic Sea, the Ionian Sea on the other side between what is modern-day Greece and modern-day Italy. And so you had two cities on either side, one on the Aegean Sea, which was called Kinkria. Now, we use a soft sea, Sincrea. You might remember in the book of Acts, this is where Saul of Tarsus, Paul, the apostle, took a vow and he shaved his head. That was at Kinkria after he had left Corinth. And on the other side, on the Adriatic or Ionian side, was Corinth. Now, why was this important? Because Athens represented the mainland. If you're looking on a map right now, you'll see Athens is on the mainland. And then you have this little strip, this isthmus, that is very, very short distance between these two bodies of water. They have a canal there now, but they didn't have one then. And uh, then you have the Peloponnesia, which is an island now to itself because there is a canal there and a bridge that actually comes out of the water or goes down into the water, depending upon, you know, what is the need. And ships will go over the bridge because the bridge actually sinks lower than what the ships go through there. And then it raises back up. It's a metal bridge, and so water's dripping off of it, and cars go from Athens and Kinkria, and they will go over into the Peloponnesia, which is where Sparta was in the ancient times and now. 
coming out of the Bosphorus and the Black Sea. They would come uh, in between the two continents where modern-day Turkey is. That's the continent of Asia. Where modern-day Greece is, that's the country geographically of Greece. That's the bridge. Uh, And there is a city there called Istanbul. That's the name the Arabs gave to it. Before that, it was Constantinople from 325 on. And uh, before that, it was Byzantium. And each one of those have their own heritage and flavor that makes it Istanbul today, which is a very cosmopolitan city. All of that waterway coming into the Aegean Sea that emptied into the Mediterranean, they could either come to Cincrea, Cincrea, or Corinth on the other side. And what they could do, they would make a choice there. They could sail all the way around Greece and the Peloponnesia and come back up the Adriatic Sea into Italy. That took about two to three weeks. It could take that long, depending upon the season. Or you could take two to three days and unladen the ship and on a rail system that they had developed, it was like a modern day railway, only not steel rails, but they would pull the ship out of the water. They would pull it to the other side, put it into the water. They would laden it back down again with cargo, and then they would load up and head to Italy, ultimately to Rome. That took about three days. You say, well, oh my goodness, how'd they do that? That would take just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of personnel and men. That's right. That's why Corinth was so wealthy. That's why Sincrea was so wealthy. Is because there was plenty of work. There was enterprise. There was free enterprise there. And so they would have a ready workforce all the time. It was laborious. It was tedious, but it was quicker and safer than going all the way around that stormy Peloponnesia, the corner of Greece, and coming back up into that Adriatic Sea. And so this is where all the cultures came from, all up into what is today northern Turkey and the Black Sea nations, all of Macedonia, all of that area, and Europe. They would come down many times, and they would come this route. Now, I said all of that to say, at Corinth, they had a lot of trouble. One of the reasons for that was simply there were so many cultures that didn't want to give up their culture and become Corinthians to become Grecian. What they wanted to do is they wanted to continue to hold on to their own way of doing things, and it causes great divisions. I lived in a major city in California, uh, the southernmost major city in California, and you could go two blocks and you would be in a whole new language group. You would be in a place where the sign were not in English. They were in Arabic, or they would be in an Asian language or dialect, and then they would be in a Middle Eastern dialect, and they had boundaries, and they had their own culture, they had their own foods, they had everything. And you say, oh, that was wonderful. Yes, it was, but they never got along with each other. There were always some kind of spat going on. Why? Because they kept their heritage as this American or that American, but it was always hyphenated. They were not blending in the culture. They were not learning the language. They wanted to continue to do what they did. And when they left their country and make this country that we're living in like their country, well, we don't want to be like their countries. We want to be the American free country that we are based upon a system that works, a government that works, a constitution that works. And this is just the cultural side of things, not the biblical side. This is just the cultural side of things that causes divisions because there is no harmony. There is no common purpose. And so at Corinth, Paul had a great ministry, and we're going to talk about that.
But we're talking about the book right now, just introducing the book. So in the early chapters, one, two, three, four, he dealt with divisions in the church. He dealt with why he came to Corinth and how he came and the difference in the ministry he had before Athens and after Athens and the experience that we read about in the book of Acts on Mars Hill. That changed Paul's life in a drastic way, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, just from a theological emphasis, from a evangelistic emphasis, from a discipleship emphasis, it changed Paul's life drastically there because he changed his tactics and his strategy altogether. And so you're going to read about that. And then starting in chapter 5, he deals with questions and answers. Now, let me just say this, and then I'm going to end this first podcast on 1 Corinthians. I want you to think about this because it's very important because it has to do with properly understanding the cultural background and the historicity of the Corinthian letter, the first Corinthian letter. Paul answered in each one of these chapters, beginning at chapter five, he answered a question that was being asked about their conduct or how they were doing something or uh, questions that they didn't have solid answers to. There was division about. Let me just say this to you. The Corinthians were doing nothing right. Everything they asked about, Paul rebuked them and said they were doing wrong. Now, that has to do with how they exercise church discipline, taking one another to court, believers within their own congregation to court, how they handle sexual relations, how they were dealing with the Lord's table, how they were dealing with giving, how they were dealing with spiritual gifts, 12, 13, and 14, all are within the context of spiritual gifts. And whatever they were doing at Corinth, they were doing wrong. Paul had to set them straight on everything. So the aspect of the gifts of prophecy and the gifts of languages, when we get there, you might not like me after what we find out because I'm just going to deal with the text. I'm going to deal with the context. I'm going to deal with the issue of tongues and prophecy, and I'm going to deal with what they are, what they're not. And all I ask you to do is just read the scriptures. And let's look at them, and let's look at them in their original context and in the original text in the Greek language and see what they say. Because the principles of hermeneutics that you have, the method of discovering truth that you have, will determine how you interpret 1 Corinthians. Because you must understand just right off the bat, I mean the first rattle out of the cage, that everything they were doing at Corinth was wrong. They were fleshly dominated. It was all about them. It was not about God. It was not about one another. It was all about them. I, 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 I. They were dominated by the flesh, even though they were truly born again, children of God. They were living under domination of the fleshly worldview of everything, and it was all about self. They were handling everything wrong because of that. So as we go through this, we're going to go on a journey with God that's going to bless our lives. Let's do it together every day. As we walk on the way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.